Hi, my name is Londe Yusuf. And my name is Reggie Williams. And we're the co-founders of Black Film Space. Black Film Space is a grassroots organization dedicated to enhancing the skill sets of Black filmmakers and building a community of creatives. We host events such as screenwriting workshops, panels, mixers, and other events that are designed to support Black content creators. In the next episode of the Black Film Space podcast, we interview Tamika Miller. Tamika is a director who has over 15 years of experience in commercials. In 2018, she was a Commercial Director Diversity Program Fellow, and recently she directed a BET movie entitled Back to the Good Life that starred Kyla Pratt. We talked with Tamika about breaking into commercial directing, spec spots, branding, and much more. And now, on to our interview. All right, Tamika, thank you for joining the Black Film Space podcast. Oh, it's so great to be with you. Um, thank you for having me, Reggie. Of course. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. It's a beautiful, sunny, Southern California morning, so I, I can't complain. It's really nice. Awesome, awesome. So can you explain um, to us what a typical path for breaking into commercial directing and what was your journey like? Sure. You know, I I have to say breaking into commercial directing, um, there is no typical path. Uh, directors come to it in different ways. Um, I came into it because I got my start working in commercials as a production assistant and then moving up to production coordinating, production supervising, and then line producing. So for me, my entree into Hollywood, if you will, or the entertainment uh, industry was working in commercials right out of college. And working in commercials became my film school. So I learned a lot. I got to watch and witness a lot of phenomenal directors do their thing. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, my very first job in Hollywood was working as a production assistant on an Antoine Fuqua commercial mm-hmm. way back in the day. Um, I'm, I'm dating myself a bit, but this was a uh, mid nineties mm-hmm. uh, and it was for a Toyota commercial starring Christian Slater. And I, at the time was working freelance and I've been freelance my entire career. I was working freelance at Propaganda Films, which um, at the time was one of the biggest, if not the biggest, Uh, music video and commercial production companies. And a lot of notable directors like Spike Jones, David Fincher, Michael Bay, um, Antoine Fuqua, obviously Dominic West came out of propaganda. And uh, they were doing a lot of music videos at the time. And for a lot of, I think, directors during that time, their path was having gotten started in music videos, when music videos was king and there was a lot of money in music videos. Mm. And then they transitioned into directing commercials. I was uh, working behind the scenes in production and absorbing everything I could, but I was always writing. Um, I was always a creative. I knew that uh, I wanted to write and direct. And um, so eventually I started directing my own spec spots my own commercial spec spots. 
and spec spots are commercials, projects that you essentially fund yourself, you know, and you get people to help you produce it. And you choose whatever brand you want to highlight. And you basically do it yourself. And it's a means for you to to hone your craft as a director, but it's also a means to get seen as a director, to sort of build your reel. And I did some spec spots. Um, and then that, that were seen. They weren't great, <laughs> to be honest. In mm-hmm. the beginning, they weren't, they were not great. Uh, but I was learning, you know, definitely learning. And uh, from doing spec spots to eventually writing and directing my own narrative work in terms of short films, uh, more and more I, I, I was seen as a director. Mm-hmm. And that eventually got the attention of some of the gatekeepers. The fact that I uh, was directing, moved into the narrative space, and was having some success in in directing. Mm-hmm. Okay, and how did you get to your the first commercial that you directed? The first commercial I was commissioned um, or paid to direct was a couple of Lifetime commercials for Lifetime TV, and they came to me through. Uh, an old friend of mine who I honestly hadn't spoken to in probably a decade. And uh, she knew that I was directing. She saw my social media footprint and, um, and one day just hit me up and said, you know, um, Lifetime TV is looking for a director to direct um, uh, two or three commercials uh, and they're looking for a woman, a woman of color. And I see you're, you're doing your thing. Um, are you interested? Mm. And I was like, yeah, of course. Nice. Um, so that was my first time uh, being offered uh, to direct commercials for broadcasts that I was paid to do. And, uh, and that was essentially from someone seeing me, just seeing that I was doing the work and I was clearly capable, and uh, the rest is history. Okay. Um, what what skill sets as a narrative director do you apply as a commercial director? You know, I, I have to say that my experience having worked on the production end of commercials and just being in the world of commercials uh, my entire career is the thing that really led to my success as a narrative director. Mm. One thing that commercials taught me early on was the importance of preparation. Um, in commercials, whenever we are pitching for a job, when we're trying to secure a commercial, we have to do a uh, a treatment, which is essentially a visual deck, mm-hmm. you know, in the narrative space, we may call it a, a lookbook or a mood board. And in the commercial space, visual treatments are what I consider works of art. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. they can probably be hanging in a museum somewhere. They can be uh, very, very instrumental 
and helping you secure a job. And so what commercials taught me is, is how to think through the entire creative process. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, who are my actors? What kind of actors um, am I looking for in terms of a look? Um, what kind of performances uh, uh, that I can look to that I want to put in this visual presentation to help convey my vision for this commercial? Mm-hmm. And so because of that training in commercials, I do that for every project that I am developing. So if I've written a pilot script for a TV series or I've written a feature script um, for film, I always do a pretty extensive deck, visual deck, visual treatment to further sort of hone in on my own vision as a, as a creative, as a director, um, first and foremost. And, and also visual treatments are key, are essential or very, very helpful, we'll say at the very least, in helping other creatives that I've hired, whether it's production designer, costume designer, or cinematographer, um, it, it helps convey my vision to the department heads. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's a, it's a great tool and, and preparation for sure is the thing that commercials has taught me and uh, in, in that has helped lent to my success in the narrative space. Okay. But are, are there any differences or what are the differences between um, directing narrative music videos and commercials? Well, the difference, well, I've, I've, I've done a handful of music videos, not, not many. So I'll, I'll speak, I'll speak more to the narrative versus commercial uh, space. If I could, Mm -hmm. you know, with, with the narrative space, the, the short films that I've directed, I also wrote. So I'm coming to the project very, you know, with an intimate knowledge of the characters because they came out of my own head. Um, and so in writing, I'm, I'm also thinking about the actors and, and the performances and who can, can play these roles. Um, you know, I've, I've since directed content, for example, I, I directed a TV movie earlier this year um, and where that was a script that I didn't write. You know, so that was something I had to take and I had to, you know, infuse my own um, vision into to uh, help elevate the piece. And so with narrative um, directing, there's hopefully more preparation that you have as a director, um, whether it's a rehearsal process um, and just really getting to uh, or table reading sort of the, the, um, the initial steps that, that you take before you actually get on set, mm-hmm. there's a little bit more of a, of a, of a pre-process in narrative filmmaking. Um, whereas in commercials, commercials are fast. <laughs> They're fast. I mean, you're, you're in and out, you know, depending on how many shoot days you have, you know, you could, it's two or three weeks you're on that project. Wow. Whereas with a, with a narrative piece, 
you're on it for a lot longer, you know, weeks, you know, and depending on the, the, the film, uh, more months, you know, so, so commercials are very quick, you know, you, you're casting, you, you hire your actors and, you know, they come in and the adjustments are, um, you know, are, I think, I don't know if they would be different in terms of actor adjustments, but there's just a different, different timing, a different pacing with commercials than there are in the narrative space. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause commercials are very, you know, you're, you're fast, you're, you're in and you're out. So um, those are two distinctions. And then also too, with narrative work as a director, I am very much involved in the post process in terms of the editorial and really shaping the overall look of the film. Whereas in commercials, once we shoot um, and get it all in the can, the advertising agency, they hired typically an editor who sits with the agency to help implement their vision. So as a director, I have a say, I have an opinion, but at the end of the day, it's the ad agency who takes the, the elements and, uh, and create the, the spot that they, they want, mm-hmm. that they've been looking for. It seems like the ad agency has a lot, you know, a lot of say into how the commercial is going to look and stuff. Like how much creativity and freedom do commercial directors typically have? I think that you have to be mindful that when you get a board from an ad agency, you know, they've sat with this board, you know, you're getting it for the first time, but they, you know, a lot of times they've done focus groups. They've really vetted the board. They've gotten the buy-in from their client, you know, so there's this whole process that's happened before you even get your hands on the board. Mm-hmm. So as a director, I'm not trying to come in and rewrite <laughs> their creative. Yeah. You know, I, I definitely uh, have thoughts and opinions and I am all about, and every commercial director, their goal, our goal is to elevate the creative. So I can articulate things that perhaps the creatives weren't thinking of to help elevate in terms of casting, in terms of location, et cetera. So, so yes, I mean, there's, there's some control for sure that directors, commercial directors have, but we, all, we also always have to be mindful that, that a lot of time and energy has gone into this creative from the ad agency and they've sold their client on it. And so we don't want to, um, as a director, I never want to disrupt. I, I want to collaborate and I want to, uh, you know, relay my own vision mm-hmm. and, uh, and elevate the, the piece. So, so yeah, I, I have an opinion. I have a say and, and the agency can run with it or they can choose not to, but we, but we're talking, we're always talking and it's, it's definitely a collaborative process. Okay. So how do commercial directors um, typically find work? Is it like, is it through an agent or how, how does that work? 
Well, commercial directors are, there are two kinds of commercial directors. There are independent directors, um, and I'm an independent director, which means that I'm not um, signed to a commercial production company. Um, and then there are directors who are signed, which means that they, they are on a roster, they are represented by a production company. And so with a signed director who's represented by a production company, they are doing work, doing commercials that trickle through that production company. That production company um, has an exec producer, um, and that production company also has a, what's called a sales rep. And sales reps work for production companies, and their job is to basically sell the director's work, if you will, mm -hmm. to ad agencies. So when sales reps um, get uh, get noticed that there's a particular board or an ad agency is looking for a particular director, maybe who's done a lot of car work or who's worked with kids or what have you, that respective sales rep will, will put up, will submit that director that's repped at that production company. Mm -hmm. um, for someone like myself, who is an independent director, um, I'm, getting, I'm getting calls uh, from all over. So there are a lot of different production companies, smaller production companies um, uh, who don't have a roster of directors, if you will, mm -hmm. but basically sort of source out independent directors um, uh, like myself to secure jobs. So I may get, you know, a call from a production company from London, mm -hmm. you know, um, or as well as obviously the U S. So, um, there are two different sort of schools of thought around being independent and being, being at a production company for independent directors. Some, some directors believe that, wow, you know, I actually have more freedom you know, I have more, more, well, freedom is probably not the right word, but definitely more opportunities, if you will, to work versus maybe being at a production company where they may feel a little constricted. Mm -hmm. But then the, the other side of that is for directors who are with a production company, they have a staff, they have, uh, you know, an executive producer and a sales rep whose goal it is, is to get them work, you know? So that kind of support is, is very valuable as well, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, so that's the difference. So, you know, there, there, there's no agent per se, yeah. but if you're with a production company, essentially your, your executive producer and ultimately your sales representative are your agent, if mm -hmm. you will. Which, um, area do you prefer do you prefer being independent like you are now or are you looking to join a roster i'd like to join a roster at, at some point having come from commercials you know having worked in it on the production end for for such a long time i definitely see the benefit while i'm independent right now i definitely am open to being rostered but it really needs to be the right fit. Yeah. So I don't want to be rostered or signed at a production company just to say I'm signed at a production company. 
um, it really needs to be the right fit for for me. And I think any any director you you, you speak to, commercial director, would probably say the same. It's it's really about the the right fit. Can you elaborate more on like what the right fit means, whether it's with you or just generally with directors? Look, I think at the end of the day, it's about it's about the work. It's about getting the work. You know, um, in this day and age. Well, let me put it this way. In the in the old days, <laughs> in the older days, it was all about being signed at a commercial production company. That's the way that you were going to get work. But nowadays, the terrain is so different now that there are a lot of independent directors doing content um, and they they're pretty successful. You know, so when I say the commercial production company needs to be a right fit, you know, it, for me personally, it's like, okay, who else is on the roster with other directors on the roster? You know, what kind of work is that production company doing? You know, what, you know um, that matters as well because different production companies are doing different kind of work, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so... And so I, that's something that I'm looking at. You know, I also, you know, who is the executive producer? You know, because as a director at a production company, I'm also working closely with an executive producer as well. Um, and so those things, all those things matter, yeah. you know, to me um, personally. It's like what kind of contact, what kind of content you're doing, what sort of the, the caliber of commercial work you're doing, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah, that all matters. Okay. How does, how does one, let's say somebody in my position, um, join, uh, one of these rosters? Like what's the, what's well, the path to joining a, a roster? I'll put it this way. At the end of the day, as a director, it's about you, if you're looking to be signed at a commercial production company, it's about you having the work. Yeah. Right. So it's, you know, a production company wants to be able to sell you, if you will, you know, to sort of use that word to sell you. And the way that they are able to sell you, i.e. sell your work um, to to an ad agency is for you to have a good body of work. So it's not it's not so easy where you just, you know you uh you apply yeah, and you point. join a production company that's not how it works you you have to have the body of work so you know maybe you have you know if you're a newer director you know say you've done some spec spots and they're really they're really good you know and but you've been building your reel and really honing your craft and say you have five or six you know spots that you feel really great about then then as a director, then you should shop around your reel. You should reach out to different production companies, um, you know, maybe production companies whose directors or directors that you you like, whose work that you like, um, you know, maybe some smaller production companies. And the idea is to get your work seen, mm-hmm. you know, and if, if it's good, if there's something there, then take a meeting with the, you know, with the respective executive producer, you know, and see, you know, what they're looking for, get their feedback on your work. I mean, if you're, 
if your work is is great, then 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 you're gonna and you want to be on a roster, you want to be signed at a commercial production company, then you will be. Yeah. You know, you you will be. Um, I mean, there's some other factors at play as well. I mean, in terms of the production company, how many directors are on their roster? You know, if they have 20 directors on their roster and they're trying to get work for all 20 of those directors, then that may not be the right com- commercial production company for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So then go to a smaller company that maybe they maybe they have seven, six directors, you know? So those are all the those are all the things that as a commercial director, I'd consider, you know, uh, and when, when I'm going to a production company to, to, with the hopes or the desire potentially to be signed by them. Can you elaborate more on creating spec spots and like what, like the benefit of doing it? If you're looking to, to direct in the commercial space, look, no one's gonna, no one's gonna hand you, uh, you know, a bunch of money and say, you know, direct this for me, you know. And so, spec spots are are basically a means by which you're able to build your reel and show people what your what your aesthetic is as a, as a creative, as a director. So spec spy is typically um, a commercial. It could be 30 seconds. It could be a longer format, 60 seconds where, you know, you're essentially financing yourself. You're shooting yourself. You're asking friends for favors. Hey, come help me out where you are actually coming up with the creative um, uh, for a brand of your choosing. So, you know, you, whatever brand you want to highlight and you're going out and you're shooting the spec spot and no one knows or no one should know. I'll say this when that spec spot is actually on your reel, it should be so good, so good that no one knows that it wasn't actually uh, that you weren't actually a, a director for hire for it, mm-hmm. you know? So, so that's, that's what, spec spots do. They allow you to create content, build your reel, and showcase your talent uh, so you can essentially ultimately get paid to do it. Yeah. So are there any other avenues um, for spec spots outside of like just sending it to production companies and putting it on your reel? Absolutely. You, you know, you want to, you want to get obviously your work seen and one avenue nowadays, which wasn't um, an avenue in the past are film festivals. Um, A lot of film festivals now have commercial competitions, whereas in the past it was solely short narrative or feature narrative or documentary uh, uh, competitions. Now they're shorter, even shorter format. Uh, music video and commercial competitions. So as a director, if I've done a spec spot, I want to get it seen. You know, sure, I can post it on my social media platforms, but I also want to submit it to different film festivals, you know, and you can go to, you know, one of the film festival festival platforms. I know like there's one uh, called Film Freeway, 
www.ghanaspeaks.com. Uh, and I think you can even type in, in the search box, you know, commercials and a list of film festivals that have commercial competitions will come up. And I think that's really valuable, you know, because it's just another way to be seen, you know, and if that's, that spec spot does well, that's great publicity for you. Yeah. That's great publicity. And, you know, my, and this, my opinion is if you can get publicity around your work and you're publicizing that on your social media and, you know, just sort of doing your own PR, like that's a great thing. And that is just something else that can get the attention of the gatekeepers, mm -hmm. you know, of the executive producers at production companies, um, you know, or sales reps, you know, so, so that's definitely something I would, I would, uh, I would do. I would definitely get, get my work out to some of these film festivals. Um, yeah. What do you, what do you think of websites like mofilm.com where you're pitching to companies? Or websites I where think, you win prize money. Yeah, I think I think there's there's probably value to Mo Film, and there's another website, um, Tongle, Tongle as well. You know, I I know back in the you know a few years ago they were um, uh, pretty hot, and there were directors I knew, up and coming directors who would definitely, you know, go to those sites and, and, and write and write pitches on different briefs. Um, I don't know today um, how valuable those, those websites are, but I think it's definitely worth looking at. Um, I know a director friend of mine years ago actually uh, wrote a concept based on a brief and uh, for Mo film and they chose his pitch and he was given um, money to do it. I think, I don't know, maybe $10,000 to shoot uh, uh, this commercial. So that, that was a great look for him, you know, that definitely um, got him some attention. And uh, so, yeah, I think, I, I, I think there, there's value in taking a look at those things for sure, you know, um, but, you know, the whole thing about, you know, a spec spot, you know, again, there's no, there's no one way to, to approach creating content. Ideally, yes, if someone's going to give you money to do it, then that's, that's what you want. But, you know, in this day and age where we can shoot, a lot of us have cameras, when we can edit, a lot of us uh, know how to edit or can learn to edit or can tap a friend who can edit. You know, we can create um, content fairly quickly and and more easily than we could in the past. And 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 with that, I would say, if you're going to create, direct, produce a spec spot, don't do one spec spot. Mm -hmm. Like maximize your time and your resources. Like really think through. Okay, my friends are cool to come on to help me. You know for two days on a weekend, how can I get th three spec spots out of this? You know, maybe one is dialogue driven, you know, um, maybe one isn't, maybe one is just, you know, fast paced, beautiful imagery, you know, with a, with a great track underneath, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, 
So I would say any any director who's looking to do a spec spot, um, try to try to do more than one. Try to do three, actually. You know, because it's at the end of the day. Look, you're trying to build your reel, and any way you can maximize um, your resources and any help that you're getting, um, yeah, you should you should maximize. You know how to spell tongle. Yes, Tongal is T-O-N-G-A-L. Okay. So what's the process for creating a pitch um, for a commercial compared to a pitch for a narrative film? Well, on commercials, when if I'm, if I'm in the mix uh, to pitch on a commercial, what, what typically happens in that whole process you know, an ad agency essentially is is sent a bunch of different reels, a bunch of directors' reels um, from sales reps, et cetera. And they will narrow um, the director pool down to usually three directors. So it can be very, it is very selective. Three directors at three different production companies, essentially, or not, it could be an independent director as well, um, uh, that they want that director to pitch on and they're choosing that director based on their work, what they've done in the past. So um, as a director, when, if I'm chosen to pitch on that board, um, I will hop on the call, a creative call with the ad agency to talk about, you know, the spot um, really what they're endeavoring to do. But, but I'm also coming to that call with my own vision, you know, my own vision on how to elevate the piece, my own ideas. Mm -hmm. And my goal is to, is to really sort of always to compliment, you know, to compliment what, what they already have, but then to push it a little bit, you know, to have them sort of think about things that perhaps they didn't think about within the parameters of the creative. Um, you know, so, so once I get off that creative call, then I go back and I put my, my treatment together, you know, which is again, this sort of deck of, of visuals and, and copy and, you know, text of, of, of what my vision is, what the aesthetic is, what the casting is going to be about, you know, locations, et cetera. And while I'm doing that, my executive producer simultaneously is putting together a budget. On what it will cost to actually uh, produce this commercial, so so that's the process, you know, and and you know the goal obviously is to to get is is to seal the deal, <laughs> is to get you know that they love my creative vision, they love my treatment. We had a great creative call, and they're like, yeah, we want Tamika. You, you know, the budget is where it needs to be. And so that's the process uh, in terms of, you know, booking a commercial. Um, on the narrative side, very different, very different side, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it really depends on whether or not a script is coming to you, you know, that someone else has written. Um, uh, it just as as my own example, this the TV movie, um, that uh, I directed earlier this year mm -hmm. um, versus a script that I've written. And, you know, I have a couple of feature scripts that's, that's 
out there right now. Um, and uh, so, you know, the, the process is very, is very different, you know, definitely in a, in the narrative space, you know, I have a, I have a feature film right now that uh, Wanda Sykes is, is, a, is attached to right. in, in her, her very first uh, dramatic role. Mm. And um, I'm super excited about it, you know, and it's, you know, it's, it's not a studio film, it's an indie film. So mm. the process is, you know, trying to, trying to secure, secure that bag, if you will, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, trying to get the money to actually produce it versus in commercials, that money is coming to me, yeah. you know? So that's just one very distinct difference in the two, the two worlds, essentially. Okay. Um, can you give us some, some basic tips on honing um, your brand if you're, you're, you're a new commercial director or you're, you're someone who's working on spec spots? Like, how does one hone and define a brand with some, some basic tips. Absolutely. You know, as, as creatives, as, as directors, we want oftentimes, well, always, <laughs> I think we want to, we want to be able to convey that we can do anything, right? Mm-hmm. We can do comedy, we can do a thriller, we can do action. You know, we, we, you know, we're, we're multi dimensional, multifaceted, you know, visionaries. So we want to be able to show that we can do it all. But in commercials, the opposite is the case. In commercials, ad agencies hire you because they see in your work that you can do one thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you may have other things on your reel, you know, um, know, or things on your reel or in your portfolio that you'll pull out when you need to, depending on what that specific board is from the agency. But if you are, you know, a new director and you're building your reel and you're, you know, going to do some spec spots, my advice to you is don't be all over the place, mm-hmm. you know, in a good way. Like, in the, like ideally, we want to be able to show that we can do it all, but but hone in on what your look, what your aesthetic is. So if you're doing, if you like to do sort of docu-style, handheld, you know, content, then do spec spots, you know, two or three spec spots in that vein. You know, if you are doing, you know, more sort of a comedy or working with children or kids or families, you know, then do spec spots in that vein. You know, so because at the end of the day, ad agencies, they want to be sold on, look, you're the best director to tell this particular story. You know, so if you're a car director, like if you're directing car commercials, you know, and an ad agency is doing a spot for, you know, Toyota, they're seeking out the directors who've done car commercials. They're less likely to seek out the director who hasn't, yeah. <laughs> you know? So, um, so that would be my, my advice to a director who is uh, looking to build a reel and doing spec spots to really, um, you know, really hone in on what their look, what their brand, what they want their brand to be, which isn't to say don't do other stuff, but have them in your back pocket 
So when another opportunity comes up, you have it, but definitely have, you know, three or so spots that have a similar appeal going on Mm -hmm. with it. Um, So that would, that would be my, my advice. How would you define your brand? My brand, well, there are a couple of things going on in, with, with, with my, with me, but my brand um, right now is definitely um, family, kids, um, you know, sort of a sort of lifestyle uh, content. Um, yeah. So that, that's, that's sort of the vein that I'm in, I'm in now. And, and you know, and there are directors where, you know, their brand evolves, you know, it can definitely evolve, you know, Um, just as an example, um, I'm getting a lot of boards coming my way that say are for a car commercial. Um, I've not done any car commercials, but yet car commercials, a lot of car commercials nowadays aren't just about running footage, you know, and then you see like the fleet of cars, mm-hmm. you know, with the city in the backdrop, you know, uh, car commercials now have, are, have more of a lifestyle feel, you know, or lifestyle tor- storytelling to them. Mm-hmm. So you may see a family, you know, it's about telling the stories. Really the, sto- the stories are really about this family yeah. interacting maybe in the car you know, we're selling the car, but the story is the family, you know, and that car becomes a part of their family. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that, so even in me saying that, you know, again, sort of painting that picture now, it's like, it's not just about the, the, the technical, um, what the car has to offer, but it's like, how does that car make you feel? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's um that's just a, a one example of how you know advertising um has evolved you know and so for a director like myself who you know doesn't have a ton of car commercials on her reel but I have you know something on my reel that shows kids or shows you know a family or a couple like that could be my entree into securing that job. Yeah, one thing I've I've noticed over the last like probably five to ten years is how cinematic a lot of these commercials have become. I'm like, wow, this looks like a movie. Like this is amazing. Like it makes me really yeah. enjoy watching commercial. Like I generally just like watching commercials nowadays. Um, yeah, yeah. You know because because you know cinema. You know when we watch films, you know, it's, 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 there's a different aesthetic, you know, that, that is happening, that can happen, that historically has happened. And so when we bring that to the commercial space, you know, it has a different feel tone, you know, it has a, it, it, it has just a different tonality and we feel a certain way, you know, that we perhaps haven't felt in the past while watching commercials. Mm. So absolutely. Yeah. How would you define your brand aesthetically? Are there certain like um, color tones or lighting styles? Like, is there a certain way that your commercials look specifically when it comes to aesthetics? You know, it it really depends on 
the the product, the brand. You know what I mean? So it it comes down to what what I'm helping helping to sell. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, you know if I'm if I'm doing something that I'm just trying to think of a product, a brand that has a uh, I don't know, say, say Apple, say an Apple commercial, you know, when we typically see Apple commercials, they are, you know, they can be upbeat. They can be, they can be, you know, cinematically beautiful, you know, Um, you know, there's nothing dark or ominous about an Apple spot. Mm -hmm. Right. So it really, it really depends on the product, you know, because every brand, every product has, is sort of a, is a character in itself, if you will, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, if, if, if I'm doing a toy commercial, you know, with kids, there's, you know, it's going to be bright. It's going to be, you know, um, light, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to be cinematic in the, in the way that we think of, 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 of a, of a film, you know, mm-hmm. so there's just a different uh, aesthetic. Um, I currently have in my reel in an Amazon spot that that is a, what I consider sort of a very Western um, spot, Westernness in terms of Western advertising. You know, it's 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 bright, it's light, it, you know, it's comedic. Um, you know, that that's the aesthetic I was going for. That's the aesthetic that we accomplished. But then I also have something on my my director's reel um, that like I have a Dorito spot that's mm. dancing that's darker you know that that uh, you know it has a comedic bend in it but it has a different aesthetic so it just really depends it depends on on the brand you know okay what do you like about directing commercials. One thing I like about directing commercials is that they're fast, <laughs> that you are in and you're out, you know, and, uh, you know, again, depending on how many shoot days there are, you know, I can be in and out in three weeks, mm-hmm. you know, and so um, from pre-production to shoot, you know, and so that's uh, that's one of the, the the nice things about commercials, you know, whereas if you're on a longer project, a, a film, an area project, you're on it for a, a lengthier amount of time. Um, and I think for, for filmmakers who are doing films um, and television, unless you're in the television space and you're working all the time, you really, you know, you're doing one job a month and you're going from, from you know show to show to show and really have no need or probably no desire to work in the commercial space but if you're in the film space you know there's there's a lot of time you know um, between developing the the film to actually the shoot you know mm-hmm. so for directors or or a lot of time in between films and so for directors in the film space commercials can be a great way to make a living, you know? Like, so if if you're, you know, up for a big pharmaceutical commercial, we'll say, and, you know, you can be in and out in three weeks and make $80,000, then that's, that's a great 
living. Yeah. You know, that's something <laughs> that can buy you some time. You could be writing, you know, you know, all of those things. So, um, so what I like about commercials um, is that you're in and you're out. Um, you know, but I, but as a director, look, I, I, I love the narrative space um, uh, as well, of course. And, you know, obviously looking to, to do more of it. Um, and, and I'm also looking to move into the TV episodic space. Mm-hmm. So that's something, uh, that, that, uh, I, I'm, I aim to do as well. So have you had any, or what, what kind of challenges have you had in the commercial genre in regards to being a black woman and what's your mindset? Um, in regards to navigating um, this industry? Well, I think, you know, it is getting easier. It's not easy, but I think it's definitely getting easier as a, as a woman, as a black woman um, working in the commercial space. You know, historically commercials were, were directed by white men. And white men mostly still do direct commercials, but there's definitely been this, there's a shift that's happening where the, you know, the needle is definitely moving a bit where now advertisers are seeking out directors, women directors Mm -hmm. and directors of color to tell their stories. So, so that's more and more now. And, and because the terrain, you know, there's so much content, you know, yeah, there's the broadcast commercials, but there's so much online content and advertising now that there's more opportunities for someone like myself as a woman and as a black woman to, to direct um, short form content. Mm -hmm. And so, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, I mean, look, the gatekeepers at production companies, uh, you know, a, a lot of them, um, a lot of the company owners are, are white men, just to be honest. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the gatekeepers are, are white people. But what, again, what's happening is, is that in the past where if you had a commercial featuring you know, talent of color, black talent, um, or what have you, you would, you know, white male director, you know, nine times out of 10 is probably, was probably directing that commercial. Mm -hmm. But now there's more of a, of a understanding and a push for diverse voices and, and an understanding that representation does matter. It does matter that you hire a woman because a woman's going to have a, a a different sensibility than a man, mm-hmm. you know, um, that you hire um, a person of color because they're bringing their sensibility to the work. And, and at the end of the day that elevates the work. So, so yeah, there's definitely been challenges over the years and just being seen, mm-hmm. you know, um, being seen. Yes. My work, is seen and and my work you know uh has been validated if you will but it definitely 
um, has been a journey on being seen by the gatekeepers, um, you know, because the truth of the matter is, you know, the gatekeepers typically, or definitely historically, have always hired people or or hire people who look like themselves. Mm-hmm. So when someone like myself comes along who doesn't look like them and they, they're not used to seeing me in that space, um, you know, that, that has been challenging over the years. But like I said, I think definitely uh, the landscape is such where um, that's changing. And also as, people of color, you know, a lot of us now have our own small production companies and we've sort of carved out, you know, our own space in this terrain, you know, and, and doing content, you know, directly for clients, you know? And so, um, yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely changing the game as well. Okay. Can you tell us more about what the commercial directing diversity program is in your experience as a fellow? Um, Yes, the commercial director diversity program is an initiative that was formed by the Directors Guild of America and um, AICP, uh, which is the Association of Independent Commercial Producers. Um, And the initiative was formed um basically to to get more women and people of color um into commercial advertising and um and i was chosen a couple of years ago to participate um in the initiative and uh and i was one of six directors chosen out of 400 submissions um wow by a lot of talented, talented creatives, um, talented directors. And, you know, and it was, uh, you know, it was a great opportunity for me to be seen by advertisers. So, you know, I, I was chosen and the program was, uh, you know, basically you're, you're, you're doing workshops where you're, um, getting to hear from different directors and executive producers and other creatives about what their process has been in the commercial industry. Um, you know, because I come from commercials, um, you know, having worked in commercials on a production end for so many years, a lot of the information is stuff I already knew, but I was, uh, but the, but the program, the initiative was really valuable um, for me. Um, and I got to do a spot out of it, a commercial spot um, that was really well received. I, I just, I got publicity, I got attention, you know, and, and that was something that I could tout. And so as a result of it, um, it definitely got me on the radar of a lot of, of, of ad agencies. So, so it was a, it was a great, it was a great thing for me. So, uh, you know, my whole thing is like, look, if you, if you can get people to see you and see your work um, and get great publicity around you as creative, then that's, that's what you want. That's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. 
how do you know when you're ready to apply for that 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 program you know i i'm all about throwing stuff against the wall to see if it sticks you know and i think that you know as a as a director if you've done some content you know if whether it's you know commercials or some smaller sort of branded content or you've done some short films or some narrative work you know if you if you're a director say you're a director you know and and so i think that yeah there are different degrees of experience you know so but i think i think you should you should apply if you have work to show you know um and because you may not have a large body of work, but there may be something in your aesthetic, you know, in your eye, in your vision that gets the attention of, you know, the, the committee, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, and, and one thing I'll say too, to filmmakers who are looking to build their reel and, you know, they may choose to do a spec spot or two, also look at what you've done in, in the narrative space and see if you can pull something out of, of uh, your work. You know, I mean, I've done that in the past. I mean, I don't currently have anything like that on my reel right now where I took a scene out of a short film of mine and made a spec spot out of it, mm. you know, and no one knew the difference. Wow. You know, so we have to be creative. We really have to be creative. If you're a docu, if you're a documentary filmmaker, I mean, you know, is there something that you can pull from the documentary work that you've done to, to create a spec spot to sell something? You know what I mean? And so, I would say probably most of the times you can. You know, it's just really about thinking deeply about it. You know, and um, and seeing what could work. So. So to answer your question, how do you know if you're ready to apply? Um, apply, just apply. Mm-hmm. If you have some work, then, then apply. You just never, you never know, you know, someone may see something in your work, you know, um, and, be, and, and, give you, and give you that opportunity. Okay. So can you tell us um, more about your, um, the movie Back to the Good Life? And just the process of writing to talent and getting this project on BET. Um, sure. So, Back to the Good Life um, is a romantic comedy um, that I did not write. Um, the The script was actually written by um, Laron Tate of the the Tate Brothers. Um, a lot of people know Lorenz Tate, um, the actor. Um, well, Lorenz has a, a couple of brothers, uh, Laron and Lamar. Lamar Tate is, uh, is an actor, a great actor um, as well. And so the short of it is the, the project came to me um, through my managers. Um, and, uh, you know, Laron, who was a co-producer on the film, he liked my work. He had seen my my narrative work, and we broke bread and talked about the script. And you know, I'd read the script a couple of times, and I really brought to that that 
that meeting, um, you know, my own vision for it, you know, and, and was able to really to speak to the, the, the tone essentially of, of what I was going for and just by, you know, using examples of other, other movies, um, and, and so on. So yeah, it was, it was a project that came to me. We shot in Atlanta. Um, I live in Los Angeles. We shot in Atlanta and, uh, that was like late last year, um, right before the holiday. And I had a great cast. Um, it stars uh, Kyla Pratt, who a lot, a lot of us know, who's, who's a wonderful actress. Um, London Brown, who's on the show Ballers, uh, Kelly Jenrette, Lamar Tate, um, Estelle, uh, is, is, is also in it, who we know as a singer, um, uh, but she's, she's in it, uh, acting. So it was a great ensemble piece and, uh, yeah, I was really grateful for the opportunity. And, uh, that was something that just, that just came to me, right. you know, and it premiered on BET, um, this past spring. And, um, and I think it's also on demand as well, like Amazon. So you can you can check it out there as well. Okay, that's dope. Um, so who are some of your influences as a as a filmmaker? As a filmmaker, who are some of my influences? Well, you know i I really like um, you know I like Sam Mendes as as a director i really like his sensibility um you know he he did the films american beauty uh road to perdition you know i like i like his sensibility as a director um but you know in terms of just like really wonderful storytelling and just masterful um, you know, shot selection. And um, I mean, I, I have to say Spielberg, you know, I mean, he, he may be an obvious sort of choice, you know, because he's so prolific. Um, but when you really look at his body of work and what he's been able to accomplish, um, and he's just a really great storyteller, a really great storyteller. So I, I am attracted to filmmakers who are really great storytellers. Mm -hmm. So you do have a workshop coming up. Um, can you elaborate more on what that is and where people can, can go to sign up? Yes, absolutely. I am doing a two day weekend workshop um, in Los Angeles on October 12th and 13th um, and uh, titled Break Into Commercial Directing. And it is, uh, is a workshop that will feature other directors and executive producers and just, you know, decades worth of knowledge, if you will, um, to how to basically break into commercial directing. What do you need to do? What do you need to be thinking about as a, as a filmmaker? And I really wanted to do a workshop like this because commercials has has been such a foreign terrain for filmmakers. You know, um, filmmakers historically have been focused on film and TV and have haven't known how to really break into the commercial space at all. 
and um, particularly women, particularly of people of color. Um, the workshop is open to everybody for sure, mm. you know, but, but I, but I definitely want, wanted to uh, do something like this. Um, and I don't, and I think this is definitely a workshop that um, I think is a one of a kind workshop, you know, over the course of two days where we're going to be, you know, speaking to, you know, how to define your brand, you know, um, how to create a great spec spot, you know, where we'll show you, uh, spec spots and tell you how much they cost to produce them. Um, you know, we're going to have a conversation on being independent versus being signed and the advantages or maybe disadvantages of, of both. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. Um, you can register by emailing commercialdirecting at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. Again, that's commercialdirecting at gmail.com. Um, and you can go to my um, Instagram uh, uh, feed, which is at by Mika Mill. Again, that's at by Mika Mill, B-Y-M-I-K-A-M-I-L, just one L. And uh, you can see a, a flyer um, up on my IG about it. And so, yeah, my, my, my hope that is that more filmmakers will will definitely sign up and take advantage of, of, uh, this opportunity. Awesome. Awesome. That's dope. Um, I really wish I could make it. I wish I could be in LA, but, but you said you yeah. might do more in the future. If, Maybe, uh, if... you know, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it requires a lot of time, you mm -hmm. know, uh, and just in terms of preparation. And, and so it really just depends on, um, the response I get um in this upcoming workshop uh you know there's if the filmmakers sign up and and we we max out our space capacity then yes i'll do it again and it also depends on what my schedule is you know um and whether or not i'm i'm working i'm shooting on something uh or not in, in whether, so we'll see we'll okay. see uh, but but hopefully it'll be a great turnout um uh on, on October 12th, 13th. And how, how many hours a day is the workshop? The workshop is from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Okay. Um, with an hour lunch break um, uh, in between and some smaller 15-minute breaks um, in between the sessions. So, um, yeah, so it's not too crazy of a day, um, I don't think. So 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. both Saturday and Sunday in Los Angeles, uh, in Burbank to be exact. Okay. So can you tell us about what Black Films Travel is? Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for asking about Black Films Travel. Black Films Travel um, was co-founded um, by myself and, and my partner. And it's uh, you can go to blackfilmstravel.com. And basically, uh, it's, it's an online uh, clothing store. But it's more than that. And it, it basically was founded to dispel the myth that Black films don't make money overseas. So uh, what it is, is, you know, different merchandise from hoodies to caps to T-shirts to tote bags um, that basically says myth on one side. And the myth is to quote, Black films don't travel. And then on the back of the hoodie or shirt, it says truth. And the truth is a list of 
Black films and what they've made in foreign sales alone, mm. only foreign sales. Mm. So it's just a, uh, a list, a representation um, of just truth, you know, and like here are the films and this is what they've grossed abroad. So it's all about dispelling that myth. And, you know, for me, um, you know, that kind of messaging and that kind of really activism is really important to me. You know, as a, as a filmmaker, I, I always want to be in the position to empower other filmmakers and other creatives. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so Black Films Travel is uh, another way, like the workshop that I'm doing on breaking into commercial directing, Black Films Travel is another way that I'm endeavoring to do that. And so if you go to blackfilmstravel.com now, you can see, you know, some of the merchandise we have and see, you know, films. And those aren't even all the black films. <laughs> you know, they're, they're just a, a select group of black films and what they gross um, uh, internationally. But uh, the store is currently closed because we're actually going to be adding new merchandise and we're going to have a very, very special announcement in 2020. So um, I'm really excited about it. So if you go check out the website, definitely come back to it um, next year and, uh, and see what, uh, what we have in store. Okay. And at the end of the day, it's all about, again, empowering other filmmakers uh, of color to tell to tell our stories. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Awesome. Cool. So thank you, Tamika, for joining us on the Black Film Space podcast. Really appreciate your insight and um, looking forward Absolutely. to, to um, seeing what you do next in regards to, you know, your project with Wanda Sykes and everything else. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, Reggie, you guys are doing a great work over there as well at uh, Black Film Space. So yeah, thank you for for taking the time and uh, of course, yeah, it's a great. Uh, so, where can um, I think you mentioned your Instagram already? Is there anything else that you wanted to to drop where people can find your work or potentially contact you or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, you can. Um, Why well, I, I my my Instagram handle um, I already spoke to, um, and that's the best way to reach me via dm be like to reach me directly yeah um but you can also go to my my website tamikamiller.com and you can look at my work and you know read a little bit about what i've been up to all right thank you tamika thank you reggie be well thanks for listening to the black film space podcast if you're interested in being part of our community and attending events please visit us at blackfilmspace.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Black Film Space. Subscribe to our email list and podcast. All right, see you soon.